So, so good to be with all of you. And uh, I know that it's a little Bikram-esque in here. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit schwitzy. <laughs> it's good. It's good to, to sweat our prayers. Amen. This week's reading from Numbers 13, the story of the Miraglim, the spies. I have a couple of thoughts about it that I'd like to share with you, a couple of ideas. Not sure exactly where they're going. But one thing I know is that I know that I feel like these spies sometimes. These spies, like us, these spies, are sent into the land, La Tour et Aretz, to tour the land. It's not connected really with the English word tour, but it sounds like it. La Tour et Aretz, that word, La Tour, they're sent into the land, La Tour appears 12 times. So you know when a word repeats itself over and over again in any part of Scripture, in part of the Tanakh or in the Parsha, you know, okay, get it, <laughs> right? So the word repeats, oh, I get it, emphasis. That's an important word. The word Latour appears 12 times, once for each one of the spies that will be sent into the land of Canaan, yeah? So they go into the land of Canaan, they go into Canaan, one, one spy per tribe. And they are given instructions on what to look for. And when they come back, they begin by saying some good things, some true things. Right? If you want to tell a lie, the first place to start is by telling the truth, says Rashi and the Talmud. Right? Start with something true and then make your way. It says, oh, yeah, it's really great. It's really terrific. Oh, what a land. You're right. The scouting reports are dead on. But, but let me tell you, we're not going to make it. There's no way we can overcome the strength of those who are living there. And two of the 12 spies, Kalev ben Yifuneh, Caleb, son of Yifuneh, and Joshua, say these famous words. Actually, Caleb says these words, and we'll get to Caleb and Joshua in a moment. Caleb says, Let us all, by all means, let's go up. Can you, can you all say that? Say that. It means like, what are you, nuts? We're going up. I mean, not only are we going to alot, it's like a double emphasis. We are definitely going up. Let's, we can do it. We, we can do it. Come on. The little people that could. We can do it. Nope, we can't do it. Too strong. We're not going to make it. Now this becomes, I'm going to come back to this in a moment, this becomes the moment. This is the straw that breaks God's back, if, as it were. Right? They have already rebelled. They have already peed God off. It hasn't worked so far. They're in the desert. They complain they don't have enough meat. They complain they don't have this. They can't. We want to go back to Egypt. Oh, Egypt was great. And God wants to 
stop the whole project. He wants to halt the entire redemption project already once before by the golden calf. And here is this last moment. This and the golden calf stand alone. These two moments, the moment of idolatry and the moment of we can't go. The moment of those ten spies saying a lie about the land of Israel and the Jewish people believing it becomes now the decree, the final straw that decrees that the Israelites will not make it into the land. Very powerful. Now, one of the things I want to at least acknowledge here tonight, and I'm sure I've said this before, but as a rabbi, I feel almost compelled to always know and give a a, a stirring answer as to why certain things are the way they are. Um, I'm going to admit tonight that I don't really, really get the time out that God is going to give the Jewish people right now. Because God's going to say, you know what? That's it. I'm done. I'm wiping my hands clean. It was bad enough with the golden calf. Now forget about it. Now they don't want to go into land. How much do I have to do? I cook. I clean. I, I, it's unbelievable. What, what haven't I given them? I've given them man. I've given them a, a well of water. What don't they have? I'm done. They're not making to land. And if I were, uh, um, let's say, uh, a deity counselor of sorts, let's say parental guide, I might at this moment say, God, well, a little bit extreme. Okay? Maybe give them like a 20-year timeout. And by the 20th year, they're going to be fine. They're going to make it to the land. It's going to all be good. We're going to redeem the whole project. I have to admit that that doesn't happen. Um, so I'm not going to offer an answer to that. But I want to compare the golden calf. And I want to compare it to this moment. And we'll do that in a second. So hold that with me. The second piece I want to say is that because the Parsha begins with that word latour, to gather information, to accept, whatever it might be. And because the end of the Parsha is bookended with the same word but in a different context. We just said it about five minutes ago when we said the Shema. When we took our tzitziot together, there is the Parsha of the tzitziot, of the tassels. is at the end of this week's reading. It bookends the spies and the tzitziot. And the word Latur appears Precisely in the parsha, in the in the whole issue of tzitziot, velota turu and don't be led astray by your eyes. And there's no doubt that that is done intentionally to connect the spy episode with the entire parsha, the entire conceptual framework, if you will, of wearing tzitziot, wearing tassels on the four corners of our garments. And I want to hold that as our second question, right? What's the connection there? What's the connection between that? And I want to focus now on the power of two people. Because we know about the ten who didn't believe. But what was it that allowed those two people? What was it that allowed those two people to stand firm? What was it that Caleb and Joshua had? They had faith. They had something. First of all, they had each other. Rav Nachman of Breslov has a famous story called the Tainted Wheat Story. I wanted to read to you. He says that there was once a king, and that king had a trusted 
minister. And the minister came to speak with the king and, and, and said this to him. He said, King, I see in the stars that everyone who eats from this year's grain harvest is going to go crazy, go mad. What do you think we should do, the minister said to the king. The king thought for a moment and said, maybe we should put aside a, a stock of, of good grain so they, they won't have to eat from the tainted grain. And then the king thought to himself and said, no, can't do that. I can't separate myself from my people. If I eat right, the, the non-tainted grain and they eat the tainted grain and they all go crazy, I'll be the only sane one. You and I will be the only sane ones in the entire country. Number one, that's not great. And number two, I'm the king. I should be with my people. So the prime minister said, here's a brilliant idea, your majesty. This is what you should do. We'll all eat from the grain. You and I both will all go crazy. But you know what? I'll put a red dot on your forehead, and you put a red dot on my forehead. And at least then, when we look at each other, we'll know that we're crazy. I can imagine Caleb and Joshua looking at each other's foreheads in the land of Canaan going, this is crazy. God said we're going to, re- we're going to get the land. Didn't the omnipotent, omniscient, divine being promise us this land? Are you hearing what they're saying, Caleb? I heard it, Joshua. You're not crazy, but you're crazy. They had each other. And they had each other because in order to do the work of waking up, in order to do the work of staying true to the voices that we know to be true, we need chavruta, we need friends, we need community, we need others who can look at us and say, you're not crazy, you see it, you see it clearly. And you see what? Let's come back to the tzitzis question. And let's pull the whole thing together. Tzitziot, this garment is connected to the story of of the spies and connected to the idolatry of the golden calf because there are two cardinal sins in our tradition. One is to take the invisible and make it concrete. And the other one is to take the invisible and deny it. Those are both zonim achareihem. To look out and say, I don't yet see it, it's not enough. Or to say, since I don't see it, I will make it. That's a cardinal sin. To put it more, more strongly, let's say it even stronger. To look at the fabric, the seamless coat of the universe as Eddington called it, to look at the seamless coat of the universe and not see its underbelly, not, not intimate, and not intuit, that behind what I see, there is something deeper. To let go of it. It's only what I see with my eyes. And even then, I have to make it concrete. That's avodazara. That is idolatry. To tear the garment of the universe in half and to look underneath it. Or to look at the four corners of the universe, this garment, and say that there are extensions. It isn't. There is a wink. There is an intimation of transcendence that pokes its way out from the four corners, from underneath the seamless coat of creation. Is to be a believer... 
then you inherit the land. So it shouldn't come as a surprise to you that in the very next part of this reading, when after Caleb's impassioned plea, we can go up, and they say, no, we can't. You shouldn't be surprised when Caleb and Joshua in verse 6 Veoshua ben Nun de Kale ben Yifune min hatarim eta aretz karu bigdehem. And Joshua and Caleb, who were the tarim, who were the ones who went to look for the transcendent intimacy, the intimations, the winks of God's presence in our lives, behind the curtain tore their garments. That was their first response. They ripped their garments, which is, of course, a sign of mourning. But maybe it's also a sign that those ten men missed the mark. They didn't see what was behind. And the two of them, Caleb and Joshua, looking into each other's eyes, had faith in what was unseen. We can do it. Can't imagine being a young man in Europe and losing my entire family, or most of it. I can't imagine what it would be like to find, after going into the land, finding a partner who also had seen unspeakable and experienced unspeakable and unimaginable horror, but looking into each other's eyes. Maybe Tuvia and Hendi could say, we can do it. Maybe those who have hope find eyes and stare into them and hold hands and say, we heard the promise. We heard the promise. We know it's there. We will see not by eyes but by our hearts, the deeper place. We will look for the threads of connection that disclose a deeper reality and will have faith because we have no choice. Strung between the golden calf of concretization and the nihilism and cynicism of this is all there is. They're stronger than us. That's all we can do. There is the garment of faith called tzitzit. There is the garment of faith that says, I took you out of Egypt, and I will take you into the land. I took you out of your narrow place. I will bring you to the place that I have promised you because the only other sin that I can even imagine worse than not believing is rejecting God's gift. And we're not going to reject God's gift. God promised it to us. It belongs to us. Hold my hand. We can do it. That takes tremendous courage. That takes tremendous faith. I don't know if that's the reason why they weren't ultimately allowed to come into the land. But I know that for myself, when I forget about the tzitziot in my life, I wander in a desert for a long time. So the blessing that I offer you, because we started so happy, and I'm still happy. 
The blessing I offer you is the blessing of, of course, Mark Nepo. Who else could take us home? He writes about his father's habit around Passover and Elijah the prophet. His father would tell the story, and like everybody else, he would open the door, and there was something about the way that his father opened the door that Mark says, it made me realize at an early age that there is more power in inviting things in than in keeping things out, and that leaving something out for an invisible guest became a lifelong practice by which I bow to the mysteries, hoping they will show themselves like leaving bread for ducks to appear as we might see them take off in their splendor, much more colorful in, with their wings unfurled. So Pop would play with us and say, look, Elijah is here. But even knowing more than all of that, more than Pop's loving effort, more than all of this, My father gave me the gift that he trained me to be more grateful for leaving the doors open. That while there are things to be afraid of in life, there is much, much more to be thankful for. Thank you.